Tonight's sermon is called The Trapper. And all right, now you, now you need to put my thing up there. You, you went flying right by it. I want the stick. There it is right there. Tonight we're going to talk about the devil for a little while. Hey, you. It is so good to see you. We're going to talk about the devil for a while tonight. You know what this is? I'm not even sure they're legal anymore, but it don't matter. I have a whole bag of them at home. When I was a boy, I ran trap lines. You know what that means? I'd go out during the day, and I'd set these little puppies in the creek underwater, and I'd put a sardine on the bank. When I'd come back next morning, it'd be a muskrat or a raccoon or something in it, and I'd pop it, kill it, skin it. Amen. And I see that, y'all already going. I wish I'd stayed home tonight and watch as the stomach turns. All right. Now, I need someone to push the yellow button. Do you mind if I push it? I didn't say I was going to put my finger through it. I just said I was going to push it. Anyway, that's what this is. Now, listen. When I would set this out, the point was I had in mind to catch and kill. That's what trappers do. That's, what, that's why people put traps out. Satan is a trapper. He sets traps. And if you don't know that he sets them, you don't know how he sets them, and you don't know how he's catching people, you won't know, and one day you'll find your little finger. So in the morning when I'd come by, there'd be a nice big fat raccoon, and because he can't go anywhere. Now, let me tell you another kind of trap that is interesting to me. It's not a steel trap, but in, um, in I think it's South America, maybe Africa, but I know in South America... Uh, they would trap monkeys and sell them to, um, to zoos. And the way they would do it, they'd take an auger bit and drill a hole down in a tree and, and pull the wood out and be a hole about that big. And they'd drive a nail through the tree down into the hole so that it stuck out about a couple of inches in the hole and they'd put a piece of bait down in the hole and a monkey would come by stick his hand in, of course he can go past the nail, it's at an angle, and, the, and so he'd grab the bait, and, and, and even though if he let go of the bait, he could get out. But they don't. Once they get their hand on the bait, they won't turn it loose even though it will cost them their life. Now, that's, now, now, just think about that. So, so Satan, the, the bait, the, the name of the bait is called Scandalon. Scandalous. What does Satan, what is his primary bait to trap you and to render you useless and take you out? What is his number one bait? Offense. The, the problem with offense is that when, some, and I don't say we, I don't mean all of us, 
It is not the easiest thing to get over. And every one of us in this room have had times when someone has done us wrong. Let me tell you what's going on when that happens. Satan is after you. He's not after the person who, who hurt you. He's after you. Now, now you now no you hear it now you, now you got you 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 got to think about it a minute, because once you get your hand on that offense, by God you ain't doing that to me again. You're done. Don't shout me down. See, some of y'all are quiet. Some of y'all amen, and I, and I appreciate that. So before I go any further, let me make a statement to you. I have been offended. Oh, I've been real offended. I've been offended by uh, people uh, that I know. I've been offended by people who go to this church. They don't go now. We used to go to this church years ago. And I will tell you, I was not as smart as I am now. I now know. I, I don't take it. I don't keep it. I don't walk in it. You just can't tick me off. You, if, if you're real bad, I just pray over you. Yes. Amen. Right. And, and I mean, you can hate me, ugly, call me white. You can do anything you want. I don't care. Honky, ugly, good for nothing, worthless, no down, rotten dog. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Probably some of that might be true. We'll open your Bible and let's go. I, 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 I'm just over being offended because I've already found out that that is how the devil has tricked me before. And some of the stuff that I've been upset about, and I hate to say it on, 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 on live anything, I've been mad enough to do a little bit of hurt. I'm being serious. I had somebody one time just take you out back. And I'm, I mean, if I wasn't, and I really thought about just, I know I'm going to jail, but I just don't care. You ever been that mad? Yep. I have. I have. You don't realize that that don't do you any good. That's just a waste of your time. The devil is trying to stop me from the call and the anointing of God on me, and he's trying to stop you too. Now, you can justify it if you want to. Go to 1 John chapter 1. Let's read. 1 starting with 5. This is the message that we've heard from the, and we declare to you that God is light and in him any darkness at all. If you say, I'm having fellowship with God and you're walking in darkness or offense or unforgiveness, you're lying and you're not practicing what you know to be true. If you walk in the light, just like he's in the light, you have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses you from all sin. If you say you have no sin, don't pull that scripture out of the setting that we're reading it. Don't say, if you say you have no sin, nobody has sin. You know, no, I don't have any sin in me right now at all. Amen. Amen. I don't sin every day. You don't sin every day. He's not talking about everybody has sin. He's talking about if you're in darkness and say you have no sin, you're lying. If you're offended, you're in sin. 
If you're mad and upset and, uh, and touchy, you're in sin. Don't lie about it. Because when you, see, you have to stop lying to get free. Amen. I ain't no trap. Yeah, you are. I can see your hand in it. Your hand's in the trap. One day I was in my office and, and Jeannie Bowser brought up somebody's name and it didn't sit well with me. And I said something about this person. And she said, a pastor, apparently you hadn't forgiven him. And I told her, frankly, bless God, I have too. <laughs> Don't shout me down. No, I hadn't. Because every time you mention their name, you just might as well slap me upside my head. And finally, I had to go get it right, and I had to forgive by faith and give that stuff under the blood. Okay, all right, let's, let's finish reading this. Um, if, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, truth's not in you. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to go back up there in verse 4. We didn't read it. These things I'm writing unto you that your water will be full. When you lose your joy, you, you, you're probably harboring something. Now, now, you think, no, I'm not. Mark eleven twenty five says, if you have aught. Now, honey, that means the smallest bunch of nothing. That's the person you chewed out at the traffic light a while ago. If you have aught, thank you all. And we don't realize how crafty the devil is because he already knows that if he can get you into, in, into uh, offense, he'll stop your prayers from getting answered and you will lose your joy. And you're not going to get it back by changing churches. It's not the church you're going to, it's you. Now get full of joy and then change churches. If you're offended, don't you move till you get it right. I'm divorcing you. You might want to get right with God and then get a divorce. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. First Peter chapter 5, please. Verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you be submissive one to another. Be clothed with humility. That would be wonderful. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he'll exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. And you need to be sober and vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour that's the trapper. Now, Lisa and I, the other night, and, I'm, and I, if I tell you this, go, go to Psalm 119. We'll put it on the screen at 165. We'll just read it in a minute. Um, I've been watching a, a movie. Now, I've got I to qualify it because most of y'all think I'm so spiritual I never watch TV. And, and the truth is I, I hardly do. It's not that I'm super spiritual. I've never seen anything on there I liked. Uh, not even the Weather Channel lately. Um, <laughs> But someone got me turned on to the Alone series, and, and I would say the only reason I enjoy watching it, I'm still hanging in there. I'm going, well, you're just about a bag of bones. You're going to die soon. So he's going to go home. His wife's going to go, who are you? All right. 
So one of the things that I've noticed is that one of the ways that people um, survive is they set out snares. And uh, it's really interesting to watch them catch rabbits and occasionally catch a fox or a bobcat. And they're not supposed to. They have to turn it loose. But it's neat to watch some of them who have the skills of trapping. Because you, if you're going to live in the Arctic, you're going to need to put about 200 snares out so you can just at least eat that day. And the devil has got snares everywhere. Not every one of them are working. Now, he may be got a snare for you, but you do not have to stick your neck in it. And I'm going to teach you tonight so you don't stick your neck in it. And you run around and be a cute little bunny rabbit. Amen. Just living for Jesus. Amen. But it says that he is, he's, he's looking to get you. All right. Let's look at another one. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble. And the King James says nothing will cause them to be offended. Offense, the word, is the only thing you've got to keep you from being offended. And now, now I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of myself, explain something to you. The thing you're mad about, you've done it too. And, and we're going to read that in a minute. But you see, don't ever forget if I was mad at anybody about I did it too. But it just, I, did, I didn't feel nothing when I did it to them, but I felt it when I did it to me. And see, that's where you and I, if you love the word of God, you understand that you're saved freely by grace. God's wanting you to have grace on people and be merciful. It doesn't matter. We understand that what they did to you is wrong. But it says that, that, um, that nothing causes us to stumble. You choose to get offended. And you've got to go, right now I could be offended. But you got to go, now see, let me, let me make a statement to you. If, if you have a button, find it and dismantle it. Don't, don't ask your husband. Don't ask your wife. You dismantle your button. I'm not going to tell you. See, I can't tell you anything about me and Lisa because that's none of y'all's business. But I've had buttons. I've had buttons. And one day I had to realize that it wasn't Lisa's fault that they're being <laughs> that they're being pushed. It's not her button, it's my button. You run around, keep your hand off my button. Just get rid of your button. And, and, and here's the thing. And I grew up around it. Teachers, first wife, family. When I, had a, I had a friend who called me Bubba. I'm going to slap your face. That was a button to me. And one day... I was with this guy and another minister friend. I won't tell you who. And this man looked at me and said, hey, Bubba. And, and I stopped what I was doing and gave him the look. <laughs> and this friend, minister friend of mine laughed at me and looked at the other preacher and said, 
What about it, shorty? And he looked at me and said, don't let that bother you. You're still a little short punk. This guy's a little itty-bitty short, a little preacher, a little 97-pound nothing. And he made me start laughing about, see, are y'all out there or do you go home? As long, do you think I'm going to stop him from calling me? But No. But I'll guarantee you one thing, it don't bother me. When he calls it to me now, I go, yeah, shorty. I'm not going to sit back and let people brand me redneck preacher. You from Georgia. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff comes out of Georgia, cowboy, you know. You, you know, preachers are very competitive. And when they're insecure, they make up names for you. Preachers are brutal. Some of them carnal fat babies. Not this guy, he's a short skinny baby. But anyway, that friend of mine helped me that day to begin to laugh, laugh, just laugh that off. Stop getting upset. Don't let that guy push your buttons. What does that mean? That means I got a weakness. I don't know anymore. And you start calling me Bubba, I'm going to send you, I'm going to run you out of this church. I'll just call you shorty, amen, you little short thing, you. So I, I, so I learned, I learned just look at Ben, you know what? If, if, uh, if when people upset me, I stop and I go, why do, you, why do you have a button? Why do you have a button? A lot of times, and, and, and let me back up a minute. I'm not near done reading. Go to, go to Proverbs 13.10 while I'm talking. Pop these on the screen. Lisa and I the other night watched a documentary on Russ Taff. How many of you know who Russ Taff is? The singer. Betty May does. Lisa does. He, he was, was the lead singer for what was the band? Um, the Imperials. What a voice. Man, just took the Imperials places they'd never been. Just great, great uh, songwriter, worship. But his father was a Pentecostal preacher and an alcoholic. And his father abused him greatly as a child and his mother and his mother blamed him for the marriage and they both were very brutal with Russ when he was a boy well as he got older he never got over the offense and the bitterness in his soul he hated his father who was a Pentecostal preacher but mean as a junkyard dog. But it, it destroyed Russ's soul. Now, I don't blame Russ for that, but when he got older, someone should have figured that out and said, you need to get in there and forgive your father. Well, through it all, God sent a preacher who, who ministered to Russ and got him free, but he began to drink to numb the pain. So all the time that he was out ministering, he was a bona fide alcoholic. All of this is on TV. I'm not talking bad about Russ. This is a documentary. It's on TV. Don't get upset. But you know what? There's a lot of people have problems because of the way they were raised and the way they were treated when they were kids. I, I still dealt with stuff for a while because I was the only boy in my class that had a divorced parents. And the teacher 
would make fun of me. And it caused me to be introvert. And to this day, I've had to deal with my own insecurities because you disrespect me up until not too long ago, I just put you in your sorry place. That's not right. It's not right for you to be disrespectful, but it's not right for me to, to let it bother me. Are y'all out there? And I had, I mean, if it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost, I'd have never, I'd have never known what it was. Finally, one day I just went, well, if he loves me unconditionally, I really don't care what you think. Glory to God, hallelujah. But I'm not who you say I am, I'm who he says I am. And you know, you, you may think, well, we know that. Well, you, you may have some stuff you're dealing with and you don't know where it is. But I can tell you right now, a lot of it comes from things people have done that's, that has created a root of bitterness down in your soul. Amen. Amen. You can get free of it. And you, and you, and you ought to. Okay. By, only by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Now, let me read another one to you. James um, um, 3, only by pride comes contention. When you're argumentative, you have a pride problem. You do. I know that's, see, they don't, that gets quiet when you, because every one of us in this room as at some point, some more than others, have had to deal with a certain amount of pride. And, and I, you know, and, and I've, I've always believed in defending myself until I read that scripture and I went, hold on, who, who are you fighting with? A puppy dog? A chihuahua? Think about who you're fighting with some fights aren't worth getting in. Some, a dog barks at you. Just, uh, lions aren't really bothered by puppy dogs. If, 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 you're, if you're a son of God, leave the yapping dogs alone. See, you have to, only by pride comes contention. So, uh, boy, that went over real good. Uh, James chapter 3, let's, let's read this one, 314. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, don't boast, don't lie against the truth. This wisdom is not coming from God. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. Where there's envy, self-seeking, confusion, and every evil thing are there. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Let's go to the 18. Let's go to 18, if you have it up there. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. He said, seek peace and pursue it. If you're not seeking it, you won't have it. All right. Now, let's back up and read this for a minute. Because when, there, when there's offense... The Bible says Satan has taken you captive. John Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Pop that on the screen if you can. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. I want you to see this. Because I want you to never forget it. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. 
that your Father in heaven may forgive you. All of those offenses, and I, I read a book years ago written by a guy down in Australia who was a friend of Kenneth Copeland's. I can't think of his name. He said 80% of Christians are offended. 80. That's too many. That's too much. And we're walking around carrying this stuff. You know, when we went through this whole uh, Black Lives Matter, there was way too many touchy-feely people running around. Some lady looked at me and said, you don't know what it was like living in the 60s. I went, I think you've had a few years to get over that. This ain't the 60s. I think it was very wrong. What happened to black? It's very wrong. But we're not in the 60s. And, and, and I, if someone did you wrong, well, get over it. Forgive them. I'm not saying it was right. Just God forgive them. Don't, don't you get all bound up by it. I want you, if you're a black person, I want you to understand something. White people mistreat us too. Amen. White people are just mean to everybody. They're not just mean to black. They're just mean to everybody. Oh, maybe it's not because I'm black. No, it's not because you're black. It's because you're human. That's right. They don't like me either. So, you know, I just don't have any way to say, well, you don't like me because I'm white. Well, you, they just don't like me, period. White people, all have sinned. I mean, everybody, dear God, has sinned. I mean, there ain't no, there ain't no race that don't have bad people in it. They've got a lot of bad people on the planet. <laughs> don't shout me down. And you could think it's your color, and it might be. What is it? Who cares? Just look at them and say, well, honey, sweetheart, I don't have to go to the beach like you do all day. I mean, you're out on the beach trying to get my color, and now you're just jealous. I did a sermon one time called, I, I would actually like to be black because it would be fun. Because I would like to preach some sermons that I can't because I'm white. I would like to preach some stuff. <laughs> I would. Um, anyway, never mind. I'm going to get off that. Let's just stop right now. If someone doesn't like you, it's they have a problem. I don't care who you are, whether you're Mexican or Puerto Rican. God made you. End of subject. He didn't make no junk. All right, now let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. This is where it gets good. You're not supposed to say amen right there. You're supposed to say it all. Been good. Been good. Okay. Been good. All right. All right. That's good. I can handle that. Just in case you think I hear good. Huh? huh? <laughs> 2 Kings 5. This is a neat story in the Bible, and I heard a guy preach on it one time, and I never, never, never forgot it. And it has helped me a lot. 2 Kings 5, 1. Naaman, the commander of the army of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he's a leper. Now, let me stop right there and make a statement to you. Just because you're great doesn't mean you don't have problems. Right. You know, rich people have problems. Intelligent people have problems. Right. Having money doesn't stop problems, doesn't stop sickness, doesn't stop disease, right. doesn't stop sin. Right. A lot of rich people, sin, these bad sinners. 
So just because you're great at something doesn't mean you have it all together. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he'd heal him of his leprosy. Now, you know, that's like, I can be healed? I'll do that. Wow, I'll do that. Now, what I want to read next, pay attention, because kings deal with kings. Kings don't deal with prophets. Kings deal with kings. And Naaman went in and told his master, thus and thus, said the girl who's from the land of Israel, and the king of Syria, go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel, not the prophet. So he departed and took him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, now be advised when this letter comes to you, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Mm -hmm. And the king is like, what? <laughs> now listen to his response. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive? This man sends a letter to heal him of his leprosy, and please consider how he seeks a quarrel with me. Now, I want to say something right now. First of all, he said, People cannot give you what you want. See, there's a lot of times we're looking, and this is where offense comes from, you're looking for answers and you're looking to people. Now, this is, let's go back to marriage a minute, just, just a minute, just won't stay on it too long tonight. Don't place something on your spouse they're unable to give you. Your spouse is not God. Your church is, is a house of God, but the pastor's not God. But see, we have this thing in America. We look to people for help. And, and, and let's prove it right now. Trump, is, is whatever you may think of him, good, bad, or ugly, he's not God. The mess in the world, he don't think. I mean, I'd rather have him than that other guy by a long stretch. But, but the devil is in the details, and the devil is screwing this whole world up. And even, even Trump's running around pushing a vaccine, and the people in Alabama booed him down and said, no. I mean, he don't even have enough sense to know the vaccine. And I'm going, you know what? You're a billionaire and you've helped America, but dude, good God, brother, shut up. <laughs> Taking your stupid vaccine. We need to stop looking to people. When you look to people is when you're going to get upset. I had a man came to this church one time and he wanted to be in ministry. So he started buttering my bread. I mean, he started being really nice to me. And I liked it. He'd call, Pastor, I'm going to take you out for dinner. I'm going to buy you a steak. I'd go, yep, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, after a while, I realized he's trying to buy a... I don't have a position to give you. I can't put you in ministry. First of all, I wouldn't if I could. 
You're a baby Christian. You don't have what it takes. Anybody thinks they can buy a place in the church don't have any sense anyway. So, so, you know, it's amazing how many people have come to me thinking that somehow or another I got a magic wand going to fix you. I, I heard, I heard um, Denise Hagen say something at camp meeting this year, and I won't ever forget it. She said people come to me all the time with their problems, and at the end of 10 minutes of telling them, she says, I look at them and say, well, you go pray about it, and the Lord will show you what to do. <laughs> you know, there's times I know what to do, but I ain't going to tell you. You know what your problem is? You don't know how to seek God. That's, That's listen, true. I do know, but you, you are just lazy. Well, you just go pray about it. You say, well, what if they die? Oh, we'll, we'll give you a good funeral. I mean, you can't. I, I, I carried people around on my shoulders uh, and worrying about them as though it was up to me to fix them. And that's one of the things that would make me upset because I would spend two and three and four hours to help you and you never did nothing I said anyway. And then I'd get mad at you. <laughs> now I don't even waste my two or three hours. I just go, well, pray about it. See what God says. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I hope you hear, hear from God. Because he'll answer you if your heart's right. If your heart's not right, it doesn't do about that. I mean, come to church and listen to the sermons. Don't just, you, never mind. Are you all out there? Yes, sir. God may use people, but don't ever put your faith in them. People look at me and say, oh, pastor, have a little bit of faith. In God, but not people. Yeah. I have a saying, again, don't, don't get mad at me. Everybody's a liar until they prove otherwise. It's the only way I have of protecting myself. I don't know what you're capable of doing, good, bad, and ugly. Now, if, you've been, if I've been around you a while and I've figured out that you're not, well, that's good. But if I, you know, people walk in the doors here and they're here a week or two Sundays and they come in and start telling me how to run a church, I go, well, you didn't buy the chairs. Right. <laughs> Hang around a little while. Get busy. And, come here. and here's the big one. Joel Osteen does it this way. I said, we'll move to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a little brutal here in a minute. People are not the answer, nor are they your problem. People aren't your answer. People aren't your problem. If you want something, you go to God. Now, God might use your spouse, and he might use someone in the church, but he may never use them again. And I'll tell you this, he'll probably use somebody you wouldn't even have ever dreamed. Your answer is going to come from somewhere. We're going to get in that in a minute. When it, when it comes, you're going to be going, I never dreamed a longer day of my life that they had any money at all, much less. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing. People amaze me. Some of the people I think are going to do good don't. Some people think I don't, ain't going to amount to nothing, do the best. I mean, I don't, I'm not God. I don't know where that. Yeah. All right. Married people can have expectations. A guy looked at me one time and said, well, you know, God's a sovereign God. I mean, he made John, Jonah get... I said, Jonah had a covenant with God, brother. You have a wife and you're in covenant with her, you have a right to know where she is. Okay, what do you mean, where am I? Well, you're my wife. You better tell me where you are. And your husband, too. You're going to be home late? Call your wife and let her know you're going to be running late. So if you're married, you can have expectations. But you need, we need to get expectations off people. Expecting people to fix you. People, people aren't going to fix you. 
If God can't fix it, you don't need to get fixed. Now, I'm going to tell you a story here about people. Uh, back to this, am I God? And expectation. Y'all remember the, the, the old movie, Green Acres? Uh, I didn't like the movie because I, I'm, I'm like the farmer. But I wouldn't have a Zsa Gabor for no amount of money in the world. But it was supposed to be funny. But I didn't think it was funny. And he, all he thinks about is dirt and land and cows and pigs and chickens. And all she ever thinks about is mink stoles and diamonds and, and, and New York City. Well, the truth is, they don't need to be married. They, thank you all. Lisa was joking me one day, and she said something about a southern belle, and I looked at her, and I went, no way. I want no little southern belle. I want a jet ski riding, horse riding, preaching woman. I want a woman that can climb a mountain with me and go, go dive in the ocean and ride waves with me, and you sit up there and take care of your hair. You ain't yeah, marrying no woman who ain't going to get her hair wet. One day the boys from this church were at our house and they invited a bunch of girls over. And all the girls sat around the swimming pool and wouldn't even get in the lake. And I asked the boys, I said, uh, any prospects? And they went, nope. <laughs> if she don't get in the lake, we won't touch her. I'm preaching good. Amen. Hey, no. You, <laughs> just because you're sitting there pretty don't mean he's looking at you. Right. If you're afraid to get the hairdo wet, they don't, they want, they're out there having fun. They want to have fun. They want you to have fun with them. Right. Now, you can primp your hair up on Sunday, but Saturday night, get in the lake and get wet. Yeah. Am I doing all right? Yeah. So anyway, I, when I married Lisa, I nicknamed her Leather and Lace, Fire and Ice. Because uh, when, when I, I seen her out there with her horse and her cowboy boots and her, her cowgirl hat, and she grabbed that 1,500-pound horse and slap him and make him mind. And then Sunday, she looked like something that stepped out of a bandbox. And I'm like, God, she's beautiful. And I'm going, how'd you go from being a dirty cowgirl yesterday to being drop-dead gorgeous today? I don't know. So anyway, I nicknamed her Leather and Lace, and then I nicknamed her Fire and Ice, and we won't get into that one. <laughs> no, we won't. So anyway, I, I had a friend, and i got to tell you this story, and he was Green Acres. He was a redneck boy. And he, and I mean, he talked like I joke. And one year for his wife's birthday, he was a carpenter in Georgia. And he had him a farm with some pigs and chickens. And he surprised his wife. And he went out and worked a side job to buy her a nice birthday present. She got it in her mind that it was a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. And every time I got around her, she's like, 
when I get my motorcycle, I'm going to do this and that. And that ain't what he was buying her. <laughs> and he went out and bought her two of the finest milk cows money could buy. It's a true story. This is a true story. And on her birthday, when he came up in the yard prouder than a peacock, that he had gotten two Holstein heifer cows that are quality milk. Their fur flew. Chickens ran, dogs ducked under the porch, and she let him have a piece of her mind. Poor boy did not know what hit him. Because that from him was a big deal. He worked all summer to buy her those milk cows. But she didn't want a milk cow. She wanted a moped. And, and I don't think they, they, later they got a divorce, and I don't know if that did it, but it was sure the beginning of it. But now go back, because it's amazing. So let's talk about him for a minute. First of all, he didn't know her. But if you want a moped, believe God. Sell the cow. They were worth a lot of money. You know, but see, did y'all see how fights start? You're looking to people to make you happy, and when one of them doesn't, now you're going to jump all over. And his heart was right. I mean, he, when, when she, when he, I mean, you should have seen his face when he was coming around. He knew she was going to jump for joy. Cows. I ducked under the porch. I've never heard such cussing in all my life. It was not, even the neighbors thought they're going to kill each other over there. Anyway, anyway, that, that's a true story. Here's my second one, and, and I hope Lisa don't mind me saying this. Whenever we watch those Hallmark movies, uh, he, here's the thing that I, I, I just can't handle this. The girl comes from the city. She's from the country. And she moves to the city and meets a city boy that has a job. And she likes the fact that he has a job. But then she goes home to prepare her wedding and meets a bum. Her high school sweetheart bum. Who has time with her all week because he ain't working. And she marries the idiot. Oh, uh, no, he ain't got nothing. <laughs> I knew this was going to go over real quick. And I'm watching this on TV and I'm going, after you get married, what are you going to do? Because you ain't going to get him to get a job. He ain't never had a job. So here's my, here's my take on it. The reason the squirrels marry squirrels. 
They want someone to run through the trees and hide nuts together. It's true, folks. It's true. The reason that squirrels don't marry rabbits, they don't want to eat grass all day. And they fight. This is deep. Let's go back to my scripture. The king goes, are you picking a fight with me? I'm not God. Why are you? I, who am I to heal somebody? What are you asking me to do? I don't have that ability. I'm a redneck. I don't have, I will never become their New York, whatever those guys are. Next time you see me, I'll be in a pickup truck. I'll have a bow in the back and a shotgun and a gun under the seat. And don't try to change it because I ain't changing. <laughs> How many people get married and they, I mean, right off the bat, want to turn them into someone else? Yeah. Find out whether these are squirrel and you're a squirrel before you hook up. <laughs> Is he a squirrel? If your country, marry country. And I know that's controversial. It would save you a lot of fighting if you actually liked the same things. Lisa and I have a lot of fun together. We had a, our dating time was wonderful. We, we still have a lot of fun together. We, we do the same things. We, go, we like to go the same places. We both like the mountains. We both like the fall. We both like going to the ocean. We both like swimming. And so it's not hard. She says, I'm going to Springs to go swimming. Want to go? I go, yeah. So the, she's not trying to turn me into something I'm not. That's what I am. And, that's what, and I married her for that's what she is. And if I'd wanted a southern belle, I'm sure I could have had one. And lived my life all by myself. All right. 2 Kings 5.8. Let's go on down. Let's go down. How am I doing for time? Oh. So it was when Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent the king and said, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, and he'll know that there is a prophet in Israel. And Naaman went with his horses, his chariots, and stood at the door of Elijah's house. Now let's stop here for a minute, because I'm going to explain something to you. This man is a leader. He is accustomed to being treated a certain way. It's very important what we're fixing to read. Because very often you walk into life, whether it's marriage or a church, and you have, a, you have an expectation that you conjured up in your mind. It does not exist in anyone else's. Uh, and this is famous wrong words. I thought. Where did you get that thought? No one here gave it to you. I thought that if I came to this church, you would call me out and you would say, and well, I don't remember ever telling you I would do all that. And we do it in marriage. I thought she would make cornbread like my mom. Boy, it's quiet in here. The problem is, is that we, we, we have a lot of expectations and we're placing them on people. It's unfair to them. 
They are not your. The whole knight in shining armor, darling, no. There is no real Cinderella. When you got married, the birds might be singing, but you take the horse and you're hooking him to a plow because you're going home and sweep the floor. And he's going home and plow the garden. And when he comes in, he's going to be sweaty, dirty, stinky, and smelly. And so are you. And then you're going to have kids run around the house. And you can close the book. Because Cinderella's story doesn't go past the wedding. And a lot of marriages are nothing more than a bunch of fantasies. It's work to get married. It's work to be married. You, ha- you have to work at it. And whatever your spouse is unable to do, you're going to have to believe God. All right. Let's, let's finish. This is very, 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 very important. All right. And Naaman went in his horse and chariot stood at the door. And Elisha sent a messenger and said, Go and wash the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you. He's answering his prayer. And Naaman was furious. And he went away and said, I said to myself, where did he get that idea? Now I'm going to read something to you. God will always answer your prayer, but it'll rarely be the way you thought it. I I mean, that that just messes everybody up. Because you come to church and you've got a preconceived idea of the way you think the God of the universe is going to do everything for you. And it rarely ever happens the way you think. Nothing I've ever imagined has ever happened the way I thought. I never even gave Florida a thought. I never gave pastoring a thought. Thank you all. I know you got your plans out there, but enjoy your fantasy. (laughs) And you want to look at young people and go, just walk with God. Let him lead you and guide you. You know how many kids come to me and they went to college? Most of them, they've never done anything they got a degree in. And, And they just, they buy it and they buy it and they buy it. They go in debt. And they come back and go, uh-huh. I go, we told you. Well, you old goat, you don't know nothing. I, I might know a little bit. All right, is this too much? God's going to answer your prayer. It may not be the way you thought. Now, look at this, look at this. Naaman was furious. Surely he's going to come out and stand and call on the name of his God and wave his hand over me and heal my leprosy. Well, who told him that that's the way it was going to be? Yeah. That's true. Most of the stuff you think God's going to do, he's not. Now, he'll answer the prayer. Yes. That's true. But see, you're mad at God. I'm mad at God. Why? He never told you he was going to do that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I, I don't want to move on. I want, you, I want this to soak, soak in. Let this soak in you. That's where a lot of your frustration in life is coming from. Lisa and I went out to eat the other day, and we went to not Joe's 
Fish Joe's Crab instead of Crabby Joe's. We went to the wrong restaurant, and I looked at it. The best fish tacos I've ever eaten in my life. I said, was this a failure, or did God lead us? I said, this is good. I said, now you have a second date. Let's go to the other crabby place. <laughs> but you know, in, I, I don't just, I'm not, I ate. Right. Amen. Amen. I'm not having a bad day because it wasn't, okay, feed me. You know how many times I've failed? More than I've succeeded. Yeah. If you're not happy unless you're succeeding, you're just a miserable human being. <laughs> I know, I know y'all. Naaman became furious on his way. And, and, and verse 12, are not the Abna and the Parfar rivers in Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash them and be clean? And he went away in a rage. And the servants came and said, ah, listen, if the prophet told you to do something great, you'd have done it. How much more? Just, just, just go wash. And he, he just went and dipped in the Jordan seven times and came up healed. Now, I'm going to tell a story, and if you know who I'm talking about, please, I, I understand that it's not the best thing in the world to talk about people that you might know who I'm talking about, but, but, I, need, but I haven't had but one church, so I have to use this one. But I had a man one time that called me, and he's in the hospital in Winter Park. And he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm not doing well. And, I, and so I talked to his wife and found out what was wrong. And um, I thought, well, he's going to recover anyway. Well, let's, I'm going to go by there and pray that he'll just, God will speed it up. I'm just going to lay hands on him, minister to him, and believe God. Now, here's my day. Here's my day. I got up that morning, and I left my house, and I had to drive to DeLand. Someone was in the hospital in the land in, from our church because back then we had people that lived in Paisley because of Lisa and I that were coming to this church. So when they got in the hospital, they'd go to DeLand. So I went in the hospital in DeLand and I, I was there about an hour. And I left and I drove to Winter Park to see this man, prayed for him. When I, when I walk in the hospital, just so that you'll know, I'm believing God. Somebody, how you doing? Oh my God! You'll never see me do that. It doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means that your disease is not making me fall apart. So I walked in happy, and he didn't like it. He said, "You insensitive thing." I was having a bad day, and you came in laughing. I said, "I left laughing." <laughs> And, I, and I, I was there in about an hour and spent some time with him. Left and I went to ORMC, talked to someone there. And then I went to Lake County. Then I went to work. All right. Well, he got back to church, called him in my office, and he sat down. And he, he took his fist and he pounded my desk. I thought you were going to come to the hospital and read the Bible to me. And I said, where did you get that idea? He said, I'm leaving this church, and I'm going to find me a pastor who cares about me. I went, brother, you were one of five before work. That's very selfish, and you and I can hear that now. But in all reality, where did this guy get this idea that I was going to come read the Bible to him all day? He made it up, and, it, and he became offended. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to make a statement here real strong. 
all the people that left this church offended conjured up something in their head that was not true. And let's say it was true. What are you supposed to do about it? Go to the person who offended you. Talk to them about it and get it straight. Then leave. Offense is killing you. Most of the stuff that we're mad about, we made it up. There are no perfect people. You and I need to stop expecting people. See, see, even in a church like this, when someone does something wrong, you got the super spirituals who have prayer about it. Pray about it, but shut up. Don't shout me down, y'all. We have people in here working through stuff. They need some grace and mercy. Now, I'm going to tell you from my point of view, I was not ready for the brutality of the church members when I first started pastoring. Now, I, was a, I wasn't all that. I'm going to tell you that. But they were brutal. No reason for that. I don't care what the last pastor did. Not even interested. And if you want faults, ask me. I'll give you a list, and you don't even have to look for it. If I don't have it, ask Lisa. She, has a, she can give you a list. But God has never used a perfect person yet. Not King David. Not Joseph. Not Saul. No one. And we need to put our little gospel stick up. Amen. And be a little bit more lenient when someone doesn't do it up to the measure you thought they should have. You know, I've had days when I was on top of my game, and I've had days when it rained like hell for a month, and I and I just I was just having a time, even with what I know. Yes. That's when you need to go, Pastor. We got your back. We love you. Good God, get in there, brother. We listen. Not why well, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. You did that. How, what, do you really think that helps anybody? I mean, I can tell you what I did wrong. I know what I did wrong. You Pharisee. <laughs> it's true. And those things cause offense. And people will stay away from churches in droves. Let me, let me say this real quick. Joseph's brothers, go, how much, we've got some time. Go to Genesis 45. I want, I, want, I, want to, I want you to see this. I think this will cap off what I'm saying. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Saul was mean to David. Laban stole from Jacob. Folks, while you're on this planet, people are going to do you wrong. And, and if you're in church long enough, it'll be someone here. Most of the time, they're not being, they're not doing it on purpose. Most of the time, they're dealing with something yourself. I want you to read this, um, 45 verse 1. Now, you, now, you're going to have to go with me, flow with me. And Joseph could not restrain himself before those who stood by him, and he cried, make everyone go out from me, and no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? And his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me. God sent me here to preserve you. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe the stuff you're going through, God might have his hand in it? Can I tell you one more story? When I went to work with Tom Copeland, I really thought that I was with Tom until the day I died. Betty will vow to that, and so will Lisa. When I went through a divorce, Tom rightly needed to ask me to step down. You don't need a divorced man. It's just not good. So my wife left, and the church asked me to step down. And all of that devastated me to a degree. It, but it wasn't in my plans. And I got offended at my wife. You've destroyed my life, God woman. And Tom, you kicked me out. I'm offended. Are you all out there? Did God have a plan? It was Tom that called Bill Leggett and Marshall and said, you need to hire Daryl. And he came to me and said, I mistreated you. I apologize. Now listen to me. God did not want me there. He wanted me here. And I, and I think sometimes when things don't go the way you think and people don't do what you think they should do and everything doesn't turn out right, why don't you look and see if God's got his hand in that? Amen. That's a good word. Because a lot of times things, I don't mean that he's causing the bad stuff to happen, but he's, he knows that this ain't going to go well, but he's already got a plan. Can, that's how you count it all joy when you're going through the trial because your, your faith is, has to be in God, not in people and not in jobs and not in certain. Get, your idea, get off of people because they, they may want to help you and they cannot. I had a lady look at me one time. She said, Pastor, I know you're just like Brother Hagin. You're going to lay your hands on me, and I'm going to get healed. I prayed for her, and she died. I'm not Brother Hagin. Don't put your faith in me. I, I, I didn't want to look at her on her deathbed and go, I ain't Brother Hagin. And I knew, she was, I knew that was the wrong thing for her to say. And I couldn't do anything but just go, God, have mercy. And two days later, her husband called me and says, she's gone. And when we get to heaven, she's going to go, hey, Brother Hagen. I'm going to go, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> it, it, you understand? I mean, are y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Satan sets snares, and they are always offense. Not always. Most of the time, it's going to be someone doing you wrong. I'm not done with this series. I got a lot more I want to do along this line. How many of you right now go, you know, I'm dealing with something. And it's in your soul. You think of them and you're like, oh, God, no. They're not God. Jesus says if you, don't, if you have ought against any, God will not answer your prayers. That is probably the number one reason 
for sickness and disease and a lack of prayer. And let me tell you this, the moment you get a victory, the devil's going to send somebody by to push your button. You need to disarm the button. Now, we're not done. How many of y'all say, hey, that's been actually good tonight? I'm not perfect. I quit trying to be. I'm just going to preach and do my job the best I can. That's, I, I'm, what you see is what you get. I'm working on me all I can be. And if that's not enough, bless you. I love my wife. I have a very good wife. She's not perfect. I have a very good wife. Very good church. It's not perfect. But you know, it's a whole lot easier just to find the good. Now, do I have to work at it all the time? I'm still reading my love book. Somebody told me the other day, says, I think you're doing better. I'm going, oh, God, I hope so. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm working at it. I'm working at it. It's not touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. It keeps no records of wrongs. Have I been perfect? Oh, God, no. Have I messed up a few times? Oh, few. Let me just stop and go, okay, Father, messed that one up. I want you to do something right now. I want you to think about if the devil has trapped you. You're dealing with something in your soul. Get it out. There's a scripture that helped me, and I read it one day, and it says, God, vengeance is mine. He will deal with them. He just don't want you to. He's not excusing them. He knows what they did. And he, it's because he's being patient. with. He'll take care of you. You just, you just leave them alone. But when people do wrong, I got news for you. They're not getting away with it. God will take care of them. I was watching John Wick one day, and even though I enjoyed the shooting, I thought, you killed all those people for your dog? Oh, that's a stupid, that, that's, that vengeance is one thing, but not a dog. You killed my dog. What a stupid movie. And I finally went, that's a stupid movie. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> He's outside grinning. <laughs> Father God, thank you for tonight. I've, I've, I've come in here tonight and poured out my heart. And I think that what I'm on here right now, I think all of us really need to hear this. I know that I do. I know this has been one of the greatest revelations I've ever gotten in my life is to is to just believe the best of people, get rid of my own buttons, learn not to be offended at, at stuff, and learn not to have such high expectations of people, put my faith in you, and count it all joy. Quit, quit wigging out over stuff. Father, I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice, if they're dealing with if they're dealing with something tonight, many of us are, and if not, maybe in the days ahead, I pray that we would forgive those people. Forgive them. Turn it loose. Let it go. Forgive, forget it. We should have never put such an expectation on them to begin with. And I ask you to help us as we go home tonight to have a better night, to, to get full of joy again, get our prayers answered again, and just allow the Word of God to soak in our souls and clean us, clean us up. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. 
We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.